Hey you, my entrepreneurial friend. Of 10 years of running my coaching business, I am going to finally teach business. And of course, I'm going to teach business with human design. Because the thing that I've discovered over the last decade is that the way everyone else taught me to run a business didn't freaking work for me. So over this last decade, to create a multiple seven-figure business, I've broken all the rules. I have done everything my way. I have looked experts in the face and downright said no, all to create something I love with greater ease and flow that literally is changing the world. And the best part is it doesn't feel like work at all. It feels like I get to hang out with my best friends and I am having a huge impact on the planet at the same time. So if you own a business that you want to finally maybe start, grow, or even scale, then come and join me on the 9th of May to discover how your human design can create the most beautiful, authentic success for you. For all the details, follow the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Human Design Podcast with me, your host, Emma Dunwoody. I'm a qualified master coach and human behavior specialist, as well as being a qualified human design coach. And I work with clients every single day to answer the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is my purpose? I also assist them to transition from the person they think they should be to the person they really are on the inside. I teach people how to actually live their design instead of just knowing it. And if this is something that you want to do too, well, stay tuned or reach out for private coaching or human design unpacks where I show you exactly how to live your design. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, I have got someone I've recently met. Um, Surprise, surprise, Jess Babaco introduced us. Um, And I'm so excited to share Liz. Liz, how do I say your surname? Liz? Zamoyski. Zamoyski. I love it. Welcome, Liz, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Love it. I love it. So can you explain to everyone um, what you actually do? Yeah, I've been trying to figure this out myself because I'm a tarot reader and a psychic and an intuitive and a medium. And, you know, we have so many labels for all of these modalities and things we do, but I really feel like I do what so many other people do, which is just really tapping into this channel of ultimate self-trust, trusting that. I'm being guided from something outside of myself, from many different things outside of myself, and that I'm just being a channel for information, for healing, for um, answers for the people who are sitting across the table from me. So Mm, I do that mainly through the tarot. Yeah, I do it mainly through the tarot, but you know, you just had a session with me too. And you see, like, we didn't even touch the cards for the whole first half of the reading. So yeah. Yeah. And you know what I love? This is the thing. So my whole intuitive journey um, is compared to the whole personal development journey has been shorter, a lot shorter. And one of the things that has blown my mind um, over the last 12 months is like the synchronicities, like the things that came out of your mouth. And I was like, are you shitting me? Like that is absolutely a belief system that I had as a kid or, you know, um, that is, that's actually 
we talked about Alice in Wonderland a lot. Like there are, this is the thing that intuition and really starting to understand my own intuition and connect into it and work with people who are actually really connected and aligned to their own is blowing my mind because it's that the synchronicities, the things that you just can't make up that just blows my mind. And I think it's so incredibly powerful in that journey, like you just said, to learning to love ourselves and accept ourselves. And my personal journey when going discovering my intuition more was really this awakening of, oh my God, you mean that little voice in my head that's been talking to me all that time? Like we talked about Jesus and we might even get to that. Like, so just because I thought about someone who I grew up thinking like, what's all this crap about religion? Like actually that dude was here with me, helping me. I just love that. I love it. Yeah. And I've only actually been reading tarot and you know on this like you said on the intuitive part of my healing journey or self-discovery journey for only really the past three years or so it has not been long but what we were talking about too during your reading is that once we just step back and allow the intuition or allow the things to just unfold the way that they want to, or the way that the universe or the order of everything is flowing it in and out of our lives. And we just stop putting up these barriers and feeling like we're in control. That's when the quantum leaps happen. So even though I only really started the intuitive part of also, like you said, like my self-discovery and self-healing and that long protracted journey, only less than three years ago, it has just quantumed because I was ready for it. I was ready for it. And I was in a position where I could say yes to that flow. And I actually call it my yes flow. Or when I'm talking to other people, I'm like, you just need to tap into your yes flow where everything feels like a yes. And, oh my God, I love it. And I want to, I really want to get to the tarot because, um, I feel like I have my own journey and it was really interesting. Um, when you came up on the calendar with Jess Bubbico and I was like, oh, I'm so looking forward to this. I'm really fascinated. But before I get there, like one of the things I also love about your story is that you have a story that a lot of people can resonate with. Like you come from the corporate world. Like you, you were a corporate lawyer. Is that right? Yeah. I love it. Right. I love that. So did you always know that you're intuitive? Did you know that you needed to make a shift? Tell me a little bit about that story. Yeah. So it starts way back in 1981, but so we'll start there. It was a time of hair and fashion and neon. And I was born. I love it. I love it. I was in grade one in 81. That was a funky time. That was leg warmers. That was totally a funky time. It was really a funky time. And I feel really blessed for growing up in the geographic area that I did and the time and place, because we had really fun toys like Rainbow Bright and She-Ra and like really cool female empowerment figures that embraced our femininity as well. But that's, you know, that just came up, but that might be for another podcast. I love it. So, (laughs) but as a kid, um, you know, I was in like, so many of us are now becoming aware of like, I was in a situation of complex trauma unfolding um, day by day. It was an alcoholic, a very abusive situation. Um, And, you know, both of my parents were involved with that. And I, I was very in tune with the energy all around me as will happen, especially with people who um, are undergoing trauma or complex trauma is that, you know, we really start 
it being in survival mode, but having to read the room and read moods and read shifts in tone. And it's overwhelming, but I really feel like that, whether it was the chicken or the egg, whether I was already intuitive, I believe that we're all intuitive. I believe that we all have access to this channel, but from a young age, I was already very, very well skilled, but, you know, in survival mode of having to read all of that. And so when I do look back, I'm like, well, I was kind of doing this just to survive and stay safe from a really small age. Um, And then when I was 12, I took my babysitting money and went to um, a vintage store in the town I was living, the college town I was living in with my family. And, um, I went and I saw this tarot deck in this vintage store. And it was this old French, like Belle Epoque style, almost like art deco, gorgeous, gorgeous deck. And I didn't know anything about tarot. I grew up Roman Catholic, like very um, religious family. Everything was going to send us to hell, including Rainbow Bright and Shira. Yeah, of course. (laughs) You know? So I secret, I had $20, which was, you know, basically I could have had a million dollars like at 12 with $20 in my pocket. And the deck was like $18. So it was $20 with tax. And I bought the deck and I took it home and I put it in my sock drawer, um, like all wrapped up in the back. Cause I knew it wasn't safe for me to have it. And the, the book for it was written all in French. And so I couldn't even understand, but I loved looking at the pictures. And one day I went to take out the deck and it was gone. And I was like, no, I was going to say, do you still have it? No, I don't. And it like my parents were the type of people who would do random room searches, like even when we weren't home and just like find things, you know, that we weren't supposed to have and that type of thing. And like we were punished for it. And, but the crazy thing was with the tarot deck, no one had said anything to me about finding it. So I hadn't known like how long it had been gone or anything like that. And then I went to my mom and I was like, um, you know, something's missing from my room. And she was like, oh yeah, we found that deck. And like, we're not to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. And my dad had ripped up every card and thrown them out because yeah, they thought I would be possessed if they didn't. Wow. Yeah. And that shut me off in where it was like, that is not safe for me. And, you know, that was just shut off. And then seven years ago, my brother passed away and I had this incredible experience that I, I couldn't put into words. I didn't know what was happening, but I knew it was real. And it was me like, the day after I found out that he passed away, um, I was laying in bed in a dark room and I just had this 360 degree experience of him coming to me. I could see how he looked. I could see the clothing he had on. And we walked up this staircase to heaven. You know, I mean, wow, it was I've got goosebumps. Yeah. And it was incredible. And when we got there, I saw what it meant for him, like what that was for him, how his human, how his soul that was still attached to his human as it was like transitioning, how it would have perceived heaven. 
and everything in my life that at that point was really difficult. I was in a really low place. And then that happened on top of it. Like everything just clicked where it was like, oh, there is no hell. Like this experience we have here, he's already been through hell. Like now he gets the reward and like he left, like he had nothing else he could do here. Like he had fulfilled what he came here to learn and him staying any longer would have just caused more pain for him and everyone around him. So it was like, things just really clicked on this meta level that I didn't know how to handle at the time. Wow. Did Uh, that help? Did that help you with the grieving process? Like, were you really aware that it was a real thing? Like it was a real experience? Yeah. And like, I could feel my human grieving. Like I could feel that, that human part of me, the physical part of me in grief, because that's how like it had to process the emotion, but I could, I didn't know that it was my higher self. I didn't know. I, I just didn't know enough about any of this to know that there was an ego and like a lower self and that there was a higher self, but there was this higher part of me that brought so much comfort into the whole grieving process. Cause it just kept reminding me of that experience, reminding me of the feeling of indescribable love, acceptance, wholeness that he let me feel with him there. And I would, I found myself, you know, in the days after he died, like when I would, you know, I went to the grocery store with my husband just to get out of the house. And we were in like the cereal aisle and I just, I couldn't hold it in. And I just broke down and I was like leaning over the shopping cart. It was like, I was giving birth. Like I was leaning over the shopping cart, holding onto it, just like heaving and like getting this crying out of me. And my husband, you know, was rubbing my back. I mean, really like a birth scene. And then it was gone. And then it came through me and then it was gone. And I was like, well, that, that was dramatic, but it was that higher self, like the whole time, just being like, he is so loved. He is so bathed in light. Like he, and it just attuned me into this whole different part of our purpose here Mm. because I saw it, I felt it. It's, oh my God, it's blowing my mind yet again. Like um, given, I fully appreciate listeners, you have not been on the past two hours where we have just like the synchronicities have been off the charts. Um, But I've just had another one of those moments, like definitely not as visceral as you, but when my dad, when I found out my dad had died and he died while I was on a plane flying back back from the Camino, um, when my husband told me, my instant response was a relief. Like it was like I could feel him. Like I, my instant feeling was, oh my God, he feels better now. Um, he's happy now. And that's actually been something that's plagued me. I'm kind of like, really? Shouldn't you have been a bit sadder or shouldn't you have done something? And I've had those experiences as well where I've really like just like cried so hard. However, over overall, it's been not like what a lot of other people talk about for me personally, and obviously yours is a different story, but just to hear someone else sort of articulate that is again, like it just, it fascinates me when we're connected at that energetic level that we have the ability to, for me, like there was so much of the ego that just was like, I'm not even going to bother engaging here. Like you felt it. I I, I can't convince you otherwise. Um, yeah. So Yeah. Exactly. And Amazing. I, see, 
I see other members of my family. This, this is the last thing I'll say about that, but like, I see other members of my family still on their grief journey and like, there's no timeline for grief. And I understand that, but like there has been, um, it has been a real learning experience for me to understand that, like, I felt that, and I experienced that, and I internalized that and anchored that into my experience, but I also have to really hold a different kind of space for others who are grieving because I can't be that person who's like, he's in a better place, you know, like almost denying their process as well. And so there is like so much of that learning and just being able to hold bigger energetic space while also honoring our experience and our truth. So it's just been quantum. I mean, it's been crazy. Amazing. And and yeah, it's such a, it's such a challenging thing that we go through grief. And like you say, grief is so unique to every person, you know, Um, and we all handle it in different ways, but to be able to be, uh, I'm going to say like a conscious passenger of it is, is something that I think is a really powerful place to be where you don't have to be a certain way or you're not attached to, Um, how long you should be grieving or, you know, what you should be doing or how you should be feeling and just letting it be. Um, Because at the end of the day, we're all going to judge ourselves, whether we, you know, no matter which way we do it, at some point we're going to judge ourselves. Um, But being able to hold that space, like it just, when you say that, it makes me think of um, this, the, not the grieving part, the holding space. Um, One of the things that I've noticed is the more I raise my consciousness, the more uh, work that I do in myself, the more when I work with people, they can't hold space for me. And I don't mean that in a cocky way. I mean, like I just end up almost being, you know, I I almost feel for my human design peeps out there, like a reflector, like they're kind of just seeing themselves. And that was definitely something that I noticed didn't happen when we worked together. It was definitely like you saw me. Um, And that's probably part of that whole, I think sometimes as well, when we have a big loss like that, or we have big, you know, challenging energetic experiences that it does take us to a place that we can hold bigger energy and be hold bigger spaces um, for people. I'm not sure that's the correct language, but that's what, that's my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm with you on the language. Absolutely. And it, because exactly, it changes your capacity because it, you've now seen a different capacity of your ability to feel. And so I think a lot of the time too, is that we can only hold space for others to the capacity that we can hold it for ourselves. And so when we allow ourselves to go there deeper and stronger with our emotions, with ourselves, we're really learning how to hold that with us and still go through it instead of trying to get around it or trying to bypass it. And so when we see it coming up in others as well, it's like, yeah, I have the capacity for this. I have the capacity to go that deep. I have the capacity to hold grief and tears and joy and ecstasy and all these, you know, really heavy emotions that are on different vibrational length. They're, I, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm like vibrate vibrational levels. And um, yeah, you know, but it's like, because we've increased that capacity of seeing ourselves, like we're able to see others more clearly as well. Yeah. Yeah. Our shit's not in the way. 
Speaking of our shit's not in the way, let's talk about you being a corporate lawyer. Like really, how do you go from, I love that you have this, what I would call a defining moment with the tarot deck. Like you're called, you're aligned, you're little, um, you know what your truth is. You see the deck, you hide it away. You have this defining moment. It instills a huge amount of fear. Clearly you then decide at some point to go down the corporate lawyer road. So (coughs) Going down the corporate lawyer road, at what point did you go, oh, my God, I can't do this. I really need to go back to the tarot. I was in law school. <laughs> no, so no, but I, you know, I'm one of those people who um, I think they're now called like multi-potentiates or multi-passionates where I dropped out of university um, after my second year because I just couldn't stay in the box and I'd always been like a very high achieving student as a kid. And like, that was how I proved myself and proved my worth was like, you know, being the straight A kid and being best in class. And I got to university where I had freedom for the first time. And I, I was in this huge sea of people who just did like, I wasn't going to be the top of that class. I wasn't going to stand out with my smarts and nobody was watching anyway. And I just really lost my way. And so I dropped out of college. I became a flight attendant. I started um, flying the friendly skies, serving drinks and, uh, and hot meals. And I, cause I really wanted to travel. I really wanted to move around and I didn't know how to do it without having an income. So I was like, Oh, I'll be a flight attendant. I did that for a while. Then I became an event planner. I became a wedding planner. I became Uh, you know, I was taking on all these jobs, just like going on different adventures that seemed fun and just saying yes to it. And then in 2006, I signed up with a bunch of my friends to run a marathon. I was not a runner, but I signed up for one of these like charity marathon running groups where they like train you how to get up to the marathon. And it was for an AIDS clinic in Washington, DC, where I'm from. And we were training in the summer and it was so hot. It was so terrible, but I was like, I'm doing it for a good cause. And what I realized after was that like running training for and running that marathon was attuning me to like the self-discipline of being back in a classroom of being like, everything has an ending. I can get through hard things. And so I decided to go back to school after that. And, um, I, really wanted to help women and children. And so I was like, I'm going to become a lawyer. That's the way that I can like change things in DC. I can be a change maker. I'll be a lawyer. And I put myself through school through student loans, which were very expensive. And the whole time I kept hearing my parents telling me, if you graduate from law school, we'll help you pay back your loans. And so it was this bargain that I'd taken my whole life in different ways of, if you do this, if you're the good girl, if you stay quiet, if you keep the secret, if you do this, then we'll reward you. And I was always on the losing end of the bargain. And I went back to school. I did really well. I got into law school. And as soon as I got into law school, I realized like this thing I'd been working toward, it was, this was not what was going to get me there. This was not what was going to help me help women and children. But by that point, I was so far in debt that I was like, I have to go through this I have to get the degree and I have to get the high paying job just to pay off the debt because I don't know how else to do this. So I went through law school. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I went, I, I sustained 
three years of, you know, really high intensity law school, a lot of pressure, um, and graduated in the meantime, I had met my husband, um, who is not a lawyer. Um, but so, but, and that's like a whole side story, but I graduated from law school and I was like, I just need to make the money back really quickly to pay off this huge mistake I've made. And then like, and then I can go on and like, find what I really want to do. And yeah. And I moved to Dubai, which is where my husband was living and working. And I got a job as a corporate lawyer there doing um, really boring stuff, mergers and acquisitions, buying and selling companies. Yeah. And, and really high pressure, high level law that didn't mean anything. Yeah. I was like, I'm helping terrible people become richer. And this is the exact opposite of what I set out to do here. Yeah. And I, um, I ended up getting pregnant before it was in my plan. And, uh, I was still working like 10 to 12 hour days, the whole, all throughout my pregnancy, I had three months maternity. And then I went back to work like 10 to 12 hours a day and, you know, pumping in a bathroom stall to, so I could breastfeed the baby. I mean, it was just the whole, the whole trope, the whole stereotype I was living it. And I left, um, the firm that I was working at because I had a client who was offering me a lot of money to basically set up my own practice just for them, which was white collar criminal defense. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Defending the bad guys and uh, who were taking money that didn't belong to them and getting away with it. And um, so, I mean, like that's, that's where I was and that's where I was starting to hit the wall. And every day I was waking up and getting in the car and imagining myself like just veering over into the next lane and just ending it. Cause I didn't it's know just, how to unravel it. Yeah. And isn't that just like far out that blows my mind that, you know, we have this, you had this perception that you'd got yourself so deep that there was no other choice. Like I, I resonate with that. Like I've been in that place, um, very different circumstances, but to even be considering it, you know, like as human beings, we're so driven by fear. Like we're so driven, like I have to, you know, I, even the way you said, like, I have to pay for this huge mistake that I've made while you're still making the mistake, because we have this perception that we can't slam on the brakes. Um, we can't just go, oh, hang on a second. Everyone just hang on a moment. I need, I, I think I'm going the wrong way. And that we allow ourselves or we don't, it's not even that we allow ourselves because we're so unconscious to it. We get so afraid and we get so in the machine that we find ourselves being someone we thought we could never be. And I think that this is, you know, this is the point where, um, you know, this is all about the hero's journey. This is when, you know, you, you, that dragon, that, that Jabberwocky's coming for you, sister. So obviously it, you know, like you didn't drive into the other lane and you made a choice that your own values were important. Like what was it that actually was like, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Yeah. So it was six months after my daughter was born and I was back at work and like all this stuff. And I had postnatal disorders, you know, because I had a lot of unhealed trauma from my own childhood. And then I'm suddenly a mother and, and it, it crescendoed. We were talking before about 
that crescendo that happens where that the voices start just being constant. Mm -hmm. And the crescendo was six months after my daughter was born was when my brother died. And that was really that defining moment where I was like, this is a wake up call for me that life. And it sounds again, so corny, but it's like, life is way too short. And this other things are available to me right now. Happiness is available to me right now. Mm. And my husband was in a place with his business. He had, he was running his own business as well. And he was in a place where he was at a crossroads where he was trying to determine whether he was going to sell part of his business to his partner and start something new or whatever. And I still remember the afternoon we were sitting together on the couch. Like I was breastfeeding our daughter and I just looked at him and I was like, we need to move to Sweden, which is where he's from, which is, that's where my husband is from originally. And I just said like, we just need to sell your shares. We're going to sell my company and we're going to get out. We had savings. We were close to paying off my loans. And I just said, um, you know, we, we need to get out of here. Like, we're not going to survive here anymore. We can't live at this pace. And three months, that was in February of 2016. And May 2nd of 2016, we were landing in Sweden, like where it was just one of those moments where everything was so aligned for this change that it just happened really fast. Everything wound up exactly as we needed it to, to make this move. And we were like, if it's this easy, it's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And when we got here, we were living with my in-laws for three months with a two-year-old and like, you know, all this, all this stuff, all the things that come along with that. <laughs> and we found a place to live on this Island outside of the main city. And it was like the perfect size, the perfect amount of rent, the perfect location, like everything just again, like fell into place. And we were about 20 yards from Ent- like the entrance to this huge forest. And we were like, we're, this is where we're going to live. We're just going to try it out. If we don't want to live here anymore, like we can always move. And we've been here now five years, which is the longest I've ever lived anywhere. And wow. Yeah. And every day I started dropping my daughter off at the little preschool here. And then I would go for an hour walk in the uh, hour long walk in the woods just to like get some exercise, clear my head and being in the woods, being in that solitude and that quiet and that cathedral, I call like, it just, that changed my DNA. It activated different things in me. I spent many mornings just like sobbing my way through the woods, not knowing why, like many mornings, just like feeling amazingly energized, walking barefoot intuitively. And after a while I started listening to podcasts. And when we moved here, sorry, I'm, I'm going all over the place, but when we no, moved it's here, for- I didn't have um, my visa yet to be like a European resident. I could stay here because of my child and my husband, but I couldn't work. I couldn't get medical care unless I paid for it. Like I didn't exist in the system yet while I was waiting for my visa to go through. And so I was on a forced pause from working where I couldn't get a job. I couldn't be doing stuff overseas. Um, I just had, I had to pause. And so there I was like walking through the woods and 
jumping out of my skin because I felt like I was being unproductive. And like, that was my biggest sin. I had never stopped moving. I'd never stopped working. And so this forced pause, just, it was like somebody opened the motherboard and just started ripping out wires and being like, yeah, this does, this is, this doesn't work anymore. And little by little, like just starting to like rewire me. And I, one day again, in like fall of 2018. So like, this was two years into that journey. I started listening to a podcast on my walk and I'd always been interested in like paranormal stuff and like, you know, ghost hunting and things like that. We live in a haunted house. It's really cool. Um, Oh my goodness. That's a whole nother story. It's a whole nother story. It's a whole nother story. Um, but we, I, I started listening to this podcast about spirituality and it was somebody who, um, I don't connect with anymore, but at the time it was how I needed to hear it. And it was just activating me so much. And I was like, I don't know what's happening to me, but it was like, I suddenly was like, oh my gosh, every time that I'm walking in the woods, I'm getting downloads. And I suddenly had language for it. And I, and I was like, I could do this for other people. And so I just started contacting friends and being like, I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but like, if you'd like a free, I, I thought they were, I was like, if you want a free reading, I'll send you a voice note from when I'm in the woods and I'll just see what comes through. And I would just open up the voice note app on my phone and just start channeling. But I was just kind of like stream of consciousness talking about like what was coming in my head and people were coming back being like, I just listened to that, you know, 45 minutes in tears. Like you hit everything. Yeah. And it just, it was like, everything just came together. And that's what I mean about that quantum leap is like so much had to click into place, but like, once I was open and ready for it, like it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. I I so resonate with that story far out. I love it. But I I also really want to talk about um, the tarot. So where did you, so you're in the woods, you're doing these intuitive readings. People are like having their lives changed. Like, with this stream of consciousness, when do you actually go back to the tarot and how do you um, start integrating that? Because I've got a plenty of questions about the tarot. Yeah. So, so I actually started uh, through that podcast. I heard a woman talking about Oracle cards and I was like, and she was doing a beta course on how to read Oracle cards intuitively. And I was like, I'll sign up for a free thing. Like I'll read some cards And I went and bought a deck of Oracle cards, um, from the local store. And, um, I took her 30 day, learn how to read the Oracle. And it was, it was like the channeling was happening before I was even looking at the cards, you know? And so I so resonate with that. Oh my goodness. I so resonate with that. Things come through before I sit with someone. Yep. Please go. Yeah. And so I, I just, I was like, well, Oracle cards are fun. So for a while I was just doing Oracle cards and then, um, and then I did get a nine to five job. This is so funny in, um, at the end of 2018, like right as I was making this shift into doing the readings, I, my visa had gone through, I got a job being, um, in-house legal counsel and a technical writer for a software company here. And I could feel myself being like, this isn't right but I, I'm still, I have enough fear that like, 
if I get the job, I'll just take it because then that means that like the income will be coming in and I'll have some stability and I can build this up on the side. And so of course I got the job. And so of course I did the job for a year before I was like, nope, mistake. Like I didn't, that was okay. That was just, again, the universe being like, are you sure? And I said, I don't know. So I did the thing. And then it was like, no, you're sure now. So love it. in that time, as I was commuting to and from work, um, I started listening and watching, um, these YouTube readings and of people reading the tarot and like, you can get them by your Zodiac sign. So I would be listening to people reading for the Sagittarius sign, you know, on my way to work and then on my way home. And I just loved it. So I was like, I'm getting free channeled messages from these psychics and it just relaxed me. And it, it got me ready for the day and it let me relax at the end of the day. And I, um, I just started realizing that I was, it was like, I was immersing myself in this new language. Like I was learning a whole new energetic language and so when I bought my first tarot deck, after a few months of like listening to these, I was like, you know, I should buy my first tarot deck. And I had kept hearing the song Starman by David Bowie playing in my head, which I love. Um, and he's since become one of my spirit team, which is also awesome. And I kept hearing the song Starman. And I went to this shop and I saw this deck of like angel themed tarot cards. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get those, those, those are calling to me. And when I picked up the deck right behind, it was a box that just said on the top Starman tarot. And I was like, Oh, that's the one I'm supposed to get. Wow. I love that. So I got, I picked up the deck. I brought it home. It was the most difficult deck to like start dabbling in tarot with because it was intense. It was very intense imagery and very intense energy, but I just started pulling cards and realizing that like the traditional meanings of the cards just didn't, those were not what I was there to work with. I was there to work with, there was something about the energetic activation that came up as I was pulling the cards where, and I've described it before, and this is more recently that I've realized that it felt this way. It was like reading a love letter to myself from my guides where it just was, it was not about warnings or tall, dark, handsome men, which is also fun, but like, it wasn't about these normal ideas we have of the tarot, like the tower is going to, everything's going to fall apart. It was this beautiful support system that was coming through and just saying like, here are the quantum possibilities that are already in your energy field. What decisions do you want to make about them? And I felt so empowered and so supported. Yeah. It was just a whole different experience. I love that. I love that because, um, and I've kind of alluded to this, but I've tried not to to say too much um, before this conversation, but for me, I, I'm a bit the same. Like I've always been really curious about the tarot, um, but they scared the shit out of me. For some reason, I had a real, um, like a visceral fear about them. And it was because of the darkness, because of all of the, like, uh, you know, your whole world's going to come, you know, falling down around you and, and all that sort of stuff. And when I was younger, that was like, I don't want that shit in my head. I don't want to know. I'd rather not know. Um yeah. 
And as I've gone on on lear- really learning about um, human behavior and quantum physics and NLP and all of these things that have really, and ultimately human design, all of these things that have really helped me to understand that we are the creators of our reality, it's made me realize how um, in the past the tarot has almost been used as a weapon to, um, I don't know if weapon's the right word, but really to keep people in their victimhood, in, you know, this bad thing is going to happen to you. And I don't believe that. I, I really, you know, just wow. like you said before, like with your brother's passing, like there is heaven. The hell part was on earth, the, 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 you know. And I really feel that that's the truth for the tarot. But it actually, it was really scary for me to even buy my first tarot, which I only did, I'm going to say, two years ago. And I literally took them to my kinesiologist, who's also a shaman, and said, can you help me with this? I'm so curious, but yet there's this this real um, level of fear about them. So my question is, is A, do you hear that a lot or did you have that experience? Um, And B, as part of that, I'm always curious because everything has a collective consciousness. So part of me thinks, well, maybe that's part of the collective consciousness that's been pulled up with the tarot um, and now is being transformed. And you're really the person that I see. The reason why I was so drawn to you was because you do read them very differently. And you said it before, like they give you an opportunity to make a choice. They don't declare what's going to happen in your life. So I feel like that's seven questions, but over to you. Yeah. Yeah, But I totally resonate with that because I also had this fear, like, it felt like there were a lot of rules around tarot, like that you had to know the whole, you had to know all the meanings of the cards. And like, it felt like there was a big responsibility with it. And I think that also goes back to the origins of it is that it was a playing card game that was originated in like Renaissance Italy in the courts of the Kings to entertain the, you know, the Kings and the Queens and the the courtiers and it was there as actually like a guidance system, but you can imagine the collective energy that comes in of you being called to court with your cards and the responsibility and of getting it right, you know, yeah. and, of, and so I think even when it at its inception, like the more work I've done with the tarot itself and like the, um, the energy of it is really learning, you know, those kind of origin stories, origin energies that were really charged into this, the whole system of it. And the way that it's othered in a lot of cultures where it's, you have to be special to be able to access the wisdom from it, which I think comes into a lot of these modalities that we talk about is like having to get certifications. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you know, that there's a lot of othering and a lot of privilege that's involved with these modalities, especially tarot. And I I do agree that like, as it's been coming up and pulled up, it's been held by those who have been othered by society as well. So it's, you don't want to get into this because you could end up like them, like living in a caravan or, you know, that being an outsider and our whole um, DNA is telling us like, be part of the pack because solitude is, death. So I think there's a lot that goes into it about what it means for us, even at a human instinctive level of, of being othered or having an othering power Mm -hmm. to us. Um, and also you brought up before the hero's journey. So this is the flip for me is that once I started, um, 
just playing with the tarot on my own. And never, I just always say to people, like, just don't look at the book. Just don't look at the book. The messages that. that you, yeah, the messages you need will come to you. I just had a one-on-one client who um, is just starting her journey with the tarot. And she was saying, um, you know, I'm just really upset about certain cards that are coming up. And she had said she'd been looking in the book and it was something like the cups energy was talking about, um, you know, blood flowing out of cups. And I was like, yeah, don't look at the, don't look at that book. This is not about blood. And, and that was, it was that I just really started tapping into the fact that the basis of the tarot is the fool's journey, which is the hero's journey. I loved that. When you taught that, I was like, oh my goodness. It's what actually really shifted the whole thing for me. You know, like I was like, you're absolutely right. Like that makes so much more sense to me. You know, one of those, oh, that's a truth moment. I'm, I'm remembering something now. Like that sounds true to me. Yeah. And I split even the major arcana, which are the Trump cards in the deck. Um, I split those into three sections as well. Like when I'm going deeper one-on-one with somebody is that, you know, the first section is really concentrating on the social self. And that's where we meet like the emperor and the empress and the high priestess and the hierophant, the lovers. It's really like, who am I in the world? And then we move into the second phase which is the moral realm. What decisions are, am I making? How am I in the world? How am I showing up? What's my purpose here? And that part of the journey. And then we reach the, the last seven cards of the major arcana. It's seven, seven, and seven. And we reach that last seven. And it's that it's the cosmic consciousness where we then get to transcend. So we, it's our sense of self, our sense of purpose, and then the greater truths that we learn after we've gone through those different foundational understandings of who we are. And isn't that exactly what we're talking about here? Like, yeah, who am I? What am I even here doing? And then transcending up to like what we talked about before, where we go from being in the lobby and milling around and kind of getting a taste of all these different modalities. And then finally realizing you've been holding the key card to the penthouse the whole time. And that all you have to do is go up to the elevator and make the conscious choice. Like, yeah, I'm ready to go up to that level, but you can't take all of your, you can't take all your baggage with you. You you can only take what's going to serve you up at the penthouse. I'm hearing like a clicking over in the corner of my room. So I don't know who that is, but that's not a normal thing that happens here. Oh my goodness. I love that. I wonder who that is. Oh my goodness. Um, It's reminding me of like a Bob Dylan energy, like somebody who's like keeping time or like speaking poetry and like they would be snapping to keep the beat. Um, so I don't know if that's for you, me or somebody who's listening, but that was, Oh my goodness. I love that. I'm interested. Like my first reaction was my dad, but he wasn't, um, well, he wasn't musical in any way, except when he'd had a few too many drinks and put Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat on the CD player. And he would dance around and sing like a crazy person. He was the best. Like he was hilarious. He was very funny. So it could be him because he's he's a funny man. Love it. It could be him. It could be him. I don't know if he's telling me to hurry up or like what he's doing over there, but it's funny. I love it. So as I said, like one of the things that, um, I suppose in the past that I was almost a little bit um, afraid of, it was like that dogma. And again, it's the same with human design, you know, like you talking about the, 
the growth, the evolution, the, the almost the lightening up of the tarot, it's really similar to what I feel like, although um, human design's journey is very short, like it only came to the world in the late 80s, um, it's kind of the same thing. Like it was birthed by someone who had a lower consciousness, although he was a very wise man and brilliant and he brought all this amazing stuff in. He had a low consciousness and it was, you know, and it's had a lot of, um, the old schools had a lot of trouble with the language and, and that sort of thing. And I really feel like um, the power, there is this depth of, I'm going to say wisdom. There is like, I cannot avoid it. Like I love, I've always loved um, Oracle cards and that sort of thing. Well, at least the last 10 years. Um, but there is this sense of wisdom, this feeling that I get from the the tarot themselves. And like, I don't know what it is. Like when you were doing the reading today, like it's kind of like, it's almost like I feel like the tarot deck's a bit of a wise old soul or, you know, it's that they're not, like I have I have decks that are really happy and joyous and I'm like, if I just want to feel good, I'm just going to dive into my goddesses. And I mean, sometimes they can kind of be like, you need to focus on this, but it's generally pretty like whatever. Um, but whereas the tarot, I feel like that's your, um, it's almost like your higher self tough love. Is that just nah. something that I've created or is that actually something that maybe potentially does happen with the tarot? No, I definitely feel that too. And that resonates a lot because with a lot of readings too, um, if I feel like our energy isn't just knitted together strongly yet, um, I'll pull a couple of Oracle cards first and do like a little mini reading with a couple of Oracle cards just to start like meshing and meshing our energy fields a little bit better, but it feels like it's, it's, um, like having that pre-dinner drink, like you're not opening the bottle of wine yet. You're having just like a little social time, like I love it. getting to know one another, because I do agree that with the tarot, it's not, um, there can be lighter energies in it, but it is much more of that wisdom that's coming through that's like okay listen it's it's the difference between your neighbor coming over for a quick cup of coffee and like your grandma sitting down across from you and because she knows you on a deeper level and she cares for you in this infinite way where you know that when she's telling you things it's really for your highest good and that she knows how to say things or she knows how to touch points that may be sensitive that other people wouldn't go to yeah. Oh my goodness. That is so true. I love that metaphor far out. <laughs> and one of the other things I really love about what you do with the tarot as well, and I'm assuming it's a totally intuitive thing. So um, it probably answers my question, but I love the way that the story that you tell with the tarot, like I got th- the three middle cards, they were just like, right. They look a bit, a bit like scary or sad or whatever. But the thing that I love with the the way that you um, tell the story is that there's always that, I don't even want to use the word positivity, but it's the word that I use a lot is resourcefulness. It's very resourceful. It's like, all right, well, here is something that's telling you to focus on this, or in, in my case, to stop focusing on that, just relax. Um, is that just you, you've been intuitively guided in that direction is it a conscious choice to maybe bring things in a, into a lighter space tell me a little bit about that because that I mean that is a thing that really made the difference for me because I've always wanted I've never had a tarot reading done before because 
of the fear and because of the negativity that I've heard friends have and that that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, is that a natural thing for you or is it just um, your choice to be like, okay, cool, let's bring this up to a a place where we can work with it? Yeah, so it's – sorry. We can edit that. Okay, good. That's what I figured. I was like, I'm waiting until it's quiet because then we can just cut it out. Um, But it's interesting that you asked that because this is also part of my discovery journey because I've realized that I do read very differently than a lot of people. And it, it wasn't, from what I understood, it wasn't a conscious choice to kind of spin it in that way. It's how it comes through my channel. But I also rely heavily on the way that I open my energy and set my intentions for my work with the tarot. So my opening statement that I say on my own to cast my circle of light or however to open my energy to the reading is quite long. Now it's like a a two minute long and I'm saying it pretty quickly, but you know, I'm calling in all of my guides and helpers. I cast different colors of light around us to keep us protected and healed. And then I'm always setting the intention for me to channel through the wisdom, the healing and the expansion that you need for your highest and greatest good. That is always how I do the intention. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that, I also say, I want clear, direct, and easily understood answers to your questions in a way that you'll understand in order to achieve that healing expansion and wisdom for your highest and greatest good. Oh my God, that's so just blown my mind because how many synchronicities do we have? Like how many times that you would be telling a story and you would be like, I don't know why I'm telling you this because it would be a story about you. And I'm literally sitting there listening to this story going, Oh no, that actually makes sense because seven-year-old me learned that and that's related to that. And yeah, so I, the power yeah. of intention, right? I love it. I love yeah. it. And that and that's just how it comes through is as you saw in the reading, I'll be going off on a tangent, which is how I am in normal everyday life as well. Yeah, but me too. So it's yeah. So that thing that I used to think would really be annoying about me is actually my superpower because I just let it flow. And I'll say things, you know, I'll, I'll say things in the middle, like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but here we go. And because I've just been activated to say it. And, and, and that bleeds into that piece about when there are heavier cards or heavier energies coming up that I don't believe that I'm ever given a situation or a problem that I'm just supposed to be stuck with or sitting in. It's an opportunity for me, like you said, to be resourceful or to say, okay, here we are now in it. And it's not about solving it, but it's also about supporting yourself to get through it. And so when these cards come up, it's really me asking the question or you asking the question or our energy saying like, okay, now this is coming up. What do we need to know about getting through it? What support do you need to call in? Are there blockages that are really obvious that are coming through the energy that are just ready to be released? You know, those types, because it just doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve our highest good to be given, you know, it's like somebody just handing you a no without ever qualifying it and saying like, but it could be a yes if you make these edits. Yeah. Um, 
so it's really, it, it, it just kind of came through that way, but it's also been so helpful for me as well. And there's yeah. one other thing that just came up that I want to just touch on for a second. And that is when I was talking or when we were talking about, you know, the way that the stories come through and then saying like, I don't know how this applies, but I'm trusting that it does. So I'm just going to tell it to you. Um, I know that there are a lot of my clients who, when they're starting to read the tarot for themselves or for others, they get hung up on the question of how do I know if it's coming from outside of me through my channel, or if it's coming from within me. And my question is always, what would it mean if it was just coming from within you? You know, what would that mean to you? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because to truly integrate our channel into a way that serves our highest good and the highest good of the the whole collective means that we do have to, we have to anchor it in to where we can't determine whether it's coming from quote unquote within us or whether it's flowing through our channel from outside of us, because it's so integrated that that's the, to me, that's the goal is to let it feel seamless And I always say like, it's the placebo effect, whether you know, if the medicine is real or not, if it's working, do you actually care which pill you got? So whether the medicine is working or not, um, because it's coming from within or from outside of you, so long as the medicine is working, just let it work. Oh my God. I love that. It's one of my favorite things when I've, I remember when, um, you know, I'd done loads of work on belief systems and reconditioning my brain and all this stuff before I ever got to coach training. And I swear it was in one of the first classes I sat in and the mentor, the, the teacher just said, she was talking about beliefs and she said, but beliefs are just convenient assumptions. So what if it, what, what if it was just all true? And you're like, oh my God, I just get to pick. You know, it's that, and, and, and around the same time I had, um, when I was hunting, hilarious, hunting for my intuition that has been there that whole time, um, you know, I said to my kinesiologist, I'm like, I have all this stuff, but you know, how do I know if it's true? And she, and she, she would always just say to me like, Emma, but what if it was true? What if it was true? Um, and now I look back and Claire laughs at me. Like, I, I can't believe it took you all these years just to be like, yeah, it's, it's just right there in front of you. And I think that's really important, you know, like understanding, like I tell my stories all the time with my clients. And I remember being taught in coach school, like, don't, don't do that. But I noticed really early on how people would, would re- resonate or it would ignite something in them or they'd be like, people say to me all the time, and even you said the same thing to me in our reading, that, oh, my goodness, like that exact thing happened to me or um, that's really weird because this thing over here that's similar to that happened to me. And I just feel like the universe has guided me in a direction and guides us all in a direction to maybe learn things, have experiences, and it's just all it's doing is giving us the language to serve someone else through our story, through our knowledge, through our whatever it is, um, as opposed to us being really clever in the mind going, well, I need to learn these things or do these experiences so I can become someone different. And it's like, uh-uh, it's just so you can language something the universe is speaking to you all the time. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And I said too, you know, and I firmly believe this is that we're given these human experiences to build our story. 
And if it was really about everything coming from outside of us, from an outside source, like why wouldn't we just be given an app or a robot to do it then? Like there is a huge chunk of our human, our humanity, our human experience, this whole collective that we're living in that is part of our intuition. And it's such an important piece. And we were talking before too, about like different containers we're in and, you know, how we develop at different points. And, you know, there's those points where you just kind of need to be outside of a container because you can't retain any more new information and you actually have to go live it and experience it and see like what stays and what goes. And that's so much too, for me of the tarot is that, you know, I can sit here and pull cards all day long, but I'm going to keep getting the same energies or I'm going to keep getting the same cards. If I don't actually go out and implement the lessons or the advice or the support that I'm being given and make choices about it. Yes. And I even loved how freaking cool was it right at the beginning, the first Oracle card you pulled. I'm like, oh my God. Yep. She turns up for me all the time. Like, you know, this is, this is that same thing. Like just watching how the energy just brings it all together, you know, like just to see that card or you to say, oh, do you know any of these cards? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. And I'm like, what the actual, when it was the one that whenever I'm feeling this way, she turns up, you know, it's get still, it's be in a place where you can reconnect, um, you know, allow the the seasons or whatever it was. And this is, this is what I really believe. And this kind of brings me right back to the beginning, like becoming our own gurus, becoming um, sovereign energies that actually like, oh my God, I can trust this stuff. I can trust what's going on inside of me. And ultimately we're all a mirror. So when we learn to trust, like if I trust you as my tarot reader, it's actually just a reflection of me trusting myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that this this is the the thing that is so powerful. It doesn't matter where you go, well, it does like go to really good healers and really people who are well-trained and people who feel good. Um, but it's all about your hero's journey. You know, it's, it's always, and the tarot was telling you about where you're at on the journey and, and, you know, what challenge you've now got to face or overcome. And, um, when we stay, and again, this is the theme, like when we stay in that playful place and we're, we're on it and we're having fun with it. And in my case, like just channeling Alice, um, this is where, we have the ability to tap into that wisdom and allow that wisdom to show us where to go as opposed to what I used to always do and I imagine so many people out there still do is just allowing that fear to stop us because we have a card that is scary as opposed to, you know, having the curiosity and the wonder and being like, okay, well, if this is all true and we are all having this experience, let's have one that's going to be really resourceful and fun and, and evolve us and have this great adventure together instead of choosing fear, instead of choosing those old dogmas that keep us stuck and um, the same and in that, in our mind, as opposed to in our intuition. Yeah. And, and what's coming up for me too, is like those heavier cards when they come out, the really fun thing about playing with these cards and these energies is that let's say like, the devil or death or the tower come out, you know, the three biggies that people are like, Oh my God, what could it mean? You know, and it's, they are 
heavier energy cards, but they're cards of opportunity where when you see something like the tower, when it's saying like, okay, we're, we're tearing the shit down. Sorry. We're tearing this stuff down and we're going to start over again. And you know, the we've, you've stayed long enough. We gave you every opportunity to leave the tower, but now we just have to set it on fire. And now you're going to have to leave in a hurry, which we talked about during your reading too. And it's, pulling that card and being able to see, you know, when you're going through a really tough time and seeing the tower, it's almost that moment that breaks the tension where it's like, Oh, really? Oh, I'm going through the tower right now. Thanks. Thanks. Genius. Like got it. But then it gives you the opportunity. Then I love using my curiosity and saying like, okay, so what is it that I'm not seeing? What's in my subconscious that could be the key to helping me see these red flags or or to see what it is about this tower moment that I can build stronger and differently next time. And then, you know, pulling follow-up cards and seeing like, oh my gosh, it's about money mindset or like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in this creative block because of mother wounding or, you know, and like really getting to the heart of the matter that so much of the time our ego as gatekeeper is keeping us back from seeing, because that means that we're evolving post ego where we're not going to have to stay behind the wall anymore. And so I love using that curiosity. I know you love going down the rabbit hole too, and seeing that the answers, like you said, are you're your own guru. They are inside of you, but sometimes we just need that extra like little push or that extra just moment of recognition and going, okay, I know what that's about. Thank you. All right. I wouldn't have associated it previously, but that makes complete sense. And then you're able to just act accordingly and make different choices. Yeah. I love that. And I reckon that's the thing that has been so powerful for me. Um, you know, whether it's your reading or anything to do with intuition. And as I've grown and expanded myself, like to put myself in the situation with high energy people that just, it's almost like, um, and I really don't like the word validation as a behavioral coach, but it is almost this level of it. those, those just like the universe going, see, you're on the right path. Yep. That, that was, you're on, yep. Yep. And that's how I feel. Like so often, um, even with our reading today, like I set a very clear intention and it just, it 100% not only answered the questions, but it gave me really clear actions and directions to go in. And this is the thing that I think so beautiful about it is that whether we like it or not, I mean, because my, my ego doesn't like it, but whether we like it or not, we actually do often need someone else just to clarify, just to validate things for us. And I think that when you find such a clear channel, um, you know, as I've talked about a lot, my kinesiologist I've worked with for many years, but over the last few years, I've really branched out. And to be able to work with you and to have all of these things that my mind, I'm doing inverted commas for those who can't, can't see me, um, all the things that, that that it's been battling with just to see it come out in the cards to basically say, stop it, stop fighting with yourself, like stop battling, it's all going to be okay. Um, I just, I've really, it's so healing for me because not only do I walk away um, in the, the short pee break, literally, as, as I ran to the toilet to then get onto this, I was like, wow, it's just more evidence that I can trust my intuition. I can trust my guidance. But it's not something that just turns up overnight. We have to go on the journey. We have to have these amazing people like yourself around us to be able to have those moments of humanness where we need validation and we need to see the 
the story unfold and go, okay, yep, maybe I hadn't looked at it that way. Maybe I wasn't being honest with myself um, to really help us really trust our own journey, trust our own intuition and um, heal what really needs to be healed instead of running in the opposite direction and, you know, sticking to the old habits that don't serve us. And I love what you've said so many times. I'm going to, I will stop talking, I promise. Um, You know, one of my favorite words, choice. This is, I think, the other thing that I love about the way you do the tarot is because everything is about choice. Okay, cool. The tower is here on the table. Um, What are the choices that we have? And again, I'm all about empowerment, not telling someone, well, you're fucked because, you know, you've got this, the, the devil, death and um, the tower. It's like, cool, this, there's some big shit going on in your life and now you have choices. And that I'm like, you know, this is what people need to hear. They need to have the empowering people lifting them up with this guidance as opposed to keeping them down with old school dogma. Yeah. And keeping them limited. And what just came up for me too, and I, I receive and appreciate everything you're saying because it's exactly, you're reflecting back exactly this, this message that I feel like keeps coming through me and that is becoming more and more material in the world. And I'm seeing more and more intuitives and, you know, just people who are in tune with their own intuition, even if they're not doing it professionally, tapping into this different level of being seen and seeing themselves and allowing themselves to be seen. And I agree with you. Like it goes into that whole little V validation piece. And that is really for me, like how I see the tarot as this love letter or this love affair, where it's the difference between, you know, meeting someone who admires you and they're like, Oh, I just love everything you do. And I just love your work. And there's, you're seen in one way there, which honestly feels like a very um, shallow energy because they just see you in one context versus tapping into these deeper energies, your higher self, the tarot, this tool that knows you for all your foibles, knows all of your red flags that you're either acknowledging or not, you know, knows you for your whole journey and is saying, but still dot, 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 but still there's hope, but still you have choices in spite of all this. And so it's that depth of knowing that depth of experience and it's seeing you on a different level. It's like receiving a love letter from someone who sits down and thinks of you and then almost like automatic rights pours their heart out to you. And you receive that and you're like, wow, they really see me for who I am. And in spite of that, they love me anyway. And yeah. it's like that with the tarot, it's so much of there's a depth to it. There's choices being offered, but there's also this, I see you, I see what you're going through, but let's, let's start moving that energy and yeah. it, but it's up to you, the timeline, like there's just so many offers and opportunities that come through with this modality that, I don't find in other places. Um, and each modality has its own value, but this one, it just feels like I feel seen, I feel acknowledged. And then I feel like I'm given new opportunities at all times. Yeah. I love that. And you know, what actually just came up for me. I think the other thing that I love about it is that, um, it doesn't hold any punches. I know that, you know, one of my, um, one of my gifts, especially as a 
private coach. And I think I said to you on the call, like, I always get great results, or at least my clients always get great results. They either get great results straight away or they get their asses kicked and then they get great results. And I, I genuinely believe that a great coach is someone who does that. They call, they call you on, on your bullshit. Like, well, if this is still turning up, then it's it's in your mindset. You need to do something about it. it you need to take responsibility for it. Um, and I feel like that that's definitely a theme that the tarot has as well. You know, like, well, you have the potential to be something and someone and really step in. And you can be a half version of that or you can be a full version of that and no one's judging. But let's just assume you want to be the high version of you. So there's gonna you're going to see shit that you don't want to see, but it's always that choice that you're like, okay, well, I'm not a victim, which means I have power. So what can I do with this? What's the best choice to move forward? Um, you know, one of the biggest things for me is a lot of the challenging cards that I've that I um, pull. They're always about me working hard, right? So whether I'm pulling them for myself or it's the same thing that we, you know, too much mind stuff that that we pulled. And although to look at these three images, they were a bit like, yeah, wow, that's a bit miserable or a bit a bit scary. It's that knowing, like, yep. That's exactly it. Relying too much on the mental capacity and not enough on, you know, the energetic flow and trusting my own intuition and trusting that things can be easier. And I think that that's the thing that I love about the tarot. And I've always like intuitively known it's there, but just because of the dogma being so scared that even in, you know, the reading today, like, yeah, you told me exactly, like I heard lots of beautiful things and they were really, even the cards were beautiful and pretty and they lifted my energy. But the three that really sort of sat with me were like, right, I really need to um, let go of my um, attachment to my mental capacity and relax and just trust that there is um, more ease and flow and all of those things. No falling off a bicycle for me today. Right. Well, and that it's so interesting because what's coming up for me too, when you're saying that is that I find that the more difficult cards actually for people to internalize the message from are the really good cards, like the, the ones that are coming out, like the 10 of pentacles or the 10 of cups, or, you know, where it's just like long-term stability and like long-term happiness and you've created it and you can have it. It's yours. It's it's already in your energy. It's available to you where, you know, like the sun card or the star card wish fulfillment. And, you know, you can, I can hear my energy and my voice being like, yes, the star, the sun. But I find that those are almost the ones that people can't access very easily. It We're much more drawn to like, okay, tell me the problem. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Like, all right, I'll be more mindful of that. I'll cut those cords. But it's when the really high vibration cards come out that I can feel that wall going up where it's almost like people are kind of like, okay, all right. Like, all right, wish fulfillment. Great. Wonderful. I'll go yeah. find a genie in a bottle. And yeah. it's like, well, no, that's really our, so much of our work here is remembering and being activated to the fact that the universe is always working in our favor and it's always there to support us to reach these really good energies. And so yes. knowing what we need to get there and what we need to let go of, that's important, but also knowing that like we're capable of attaining and living a life of ease and that it's available to us in every moment. We just need to get out of our own ways. It sounds so easy and I know it's not, but it's like, rem- being able to also receive the really good stuff. Yes. That's part of the challenge. Yeah. And 
I would absolutely agree. I would say that that is the thing as human beings we do find the hardest, you know, receiving and believing that the wish fulfillment is true. I know I battled with it for a long time and, you know, in the last few years it's like, wow, I really can manifest anything that I want to do. Um, and it took a long time to believe that. So I think it's going to be really, really helpful for those out there to hear it, you know, like you're not alone, but um, you don't have to believe it. You can believe that dreams come true and you can believe all these these higher vibrational cards and you can believe when people say that you are intuitive or you are good at something that it is true and and receiving is such a huge part of everything that we do to really create the life of our dreams now i have to let you all know listeners that i'm literally sitting in the dark with like a torch underneath my chin like a scary person um poor liz has to stare at me because we are sitting in the car and i could literally talk to you for the next three hours liz oh my god i know I know, right? I had such a good time. This is so amazing. We, um, oh, I'm just, I've loved having you, um, with your, uh, instantly when you talked about tarot, do you teach, I know you do tarot sessions, but do you teach tarot still, or is that something that's on the horizon or? Yeah. Cause I, I want to join up. Yeah. I have one-to-one tarot mentorship. That's a four week deep dive where we meet four times. And then there are workbooks that I channel specifically for your journey that we go through. Um, I also have tarot coaching. So that's a mix of tarot and coaching, um, which is one-on-one. And then every once in a while, I have a group tarot course, which I think may be coming up in August. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But above that, I do, I do one-on-one readings and group readings. And I also offer energy healing and crown activation sessions. So it's just the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love it. And we will put all of Liz's details in the show notes so you can go and check her out. Um, Liz, thank you so much. Thanks for my reading earlier. Thank you for this conversation. I'm genuinely so grateful to have met you and I love your, I just love your energy. I think it's, I just, I love it. And again, thanks, Jess Babaco. Oh my goodness. She's amazing. Thank you, Jess. And thank you so much. I'm so glad we're connected. This has been wonderful. And I love reading for you. So anytime, just let me know. I love it. I love it. Hey, I've got a question and you don't have to answer it right now because I do appreciate it. I've just put you on the spot. But I, um, as you know, I have a membership and we have guest teachers that come into the membership um, and teach something. And I would love to invite you to come along and teach the tarot to all of my members at some point. Would you like to do that? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Awesome. Awesome. Thank so you we'll, so much. We'll I would love that. to. We'll book that in for sure. Wonderful. Um, beautiful. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. I literally have Justin in the background looking at me because we have to go for dinner. Um, I will say goodbye to everyone on the podcast. Thanks for being here. And I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Thanks everyone for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.